Let us begin. Hurrah! <laughs> um, welcome to the... Oh, <laughs> and she's left. <laughs> Lipsaw. Lipsaw is like important in any speaking situation. Oh, that's a good point. Welcome to episode 7 of the China Arts Podcast, a podcast about the people behind China's cultural industries. I'm super delighted to have as my guest most esteemed Dr. Liz Ashforth, aquaponicist, longtime member of Beijing's improv scene, event manager, and sea cucumber enthusiast. I met up with her at the Culture Yard near the end of June, and she introduced me to the history of Beijing's improv scene, sea cucumber anatomy, and what the verb to lies means. No, I, I bombed up before I got here. Oh. <laughs> Thankfully, the summer is merciful. You don't have to bomb constantly. It's like, right. okay, once or twice a day. Whereas the winter is harsh. Harsh and dark and gray. Yes, and uh, full of terrors. <laughs> <laughs> yes. like, like having electric shocks when you kiss someone. That's pretty terrifying. Oh, God. <laughs> So, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, a brief tour介绍. Ooh, okay. Um, I never know quite what to say in these situations. Alright, I am... <laughs> at least I know my name. I am Liz Ashfall. <laughs> I am an event organizer in Beijing. And, um, yeah, along with that, I also organize and do improv comedy and also just improv acting. I run cultural events, I've run educational events, I'm also in a previous life a scientist, so I've run scientific <laughs> events. <laughs> uh, yeah, but at the moment my three big things are working for Culture Yard, mm. which is all uh, mahjong workshops and calligraphy workshops, we've got one going on at the moment and kind of introducing people to China through cinema as well. So yeah. iconic films, mm -hmm. Zhang Yimou, etc, etc. And also contemporary films. So, oh, there's a text. <laughs> so if I... <laughs> you see, event organizers work is never done. You're never going to bring it up. There's never <laughs> such thing. Like, it's supposed to be a holiday, but it's not quite a holiday. <laughs> it's the Dragon Boat Festival it's right now. It's the Dragon Boat Festival at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. This will not actually go on. This will not go out for probably another month or so, yeah. or a few weeks. So. Well, don't worry, there'll be one next year as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's still relevant. <laughs> uh, I'll post this. I'll repost this in, term, in time for the next. Mm. Like the, the remember last, when, <laughs> and, and then you can, you can try and remember where you were last year. Mm. Where are you going to be in a year from now? Probably in the UK with some kind of small. Child attached. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's small child, anyway. Well, hopefully mine. <laughs> the idea is that it's mine, but if it has to be someone else's, then I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, sometimes you just gotta, gotta take what you need. You know, just, yeah. Yeah, that child is, is that, mine. That, yeah, that, that one's alright, we'll take that one. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. So, uh, when do you, you're leaving imminently, right? You're like. Mm, probably by the end of this year, yeah. Okay, okay. It's so been, the fall, kind of. Yeah, it'll, it'll kind of. It'll be about six and a half years oh. in Beijing at that point. Wow. Mm. Hey, it's gone fast. That's, that's really fast. So, then when you first came here, what were you doing then that's, you know, in comparison to now that. What, how did this. Okay, another way of reshaping this question. Mm. Uh, when you 
well, as you leave on your outward journey, um, how do you see these six and a half years as having influenced you ooh, as a, as a ooh, Liz? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, that's a really nice way of putting putting it. Um, a more interesting way to ask that <laughs> question <clears throat> than I usually get asked. Okay. But um, yeah, so. Well, maybe a little bit of history. I, when I first got here, I was working for the Institute of Microbiology, uh, looking for new antibiotics, which sounds incredibly glamorous and, and worthy, but was saving that, the world. Saving the world. One biotic at a time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, I found it personally incredibly dull. I mean, oh. the likelihood of even finding something that worked is actually very small. Uh, and I just need a little bit more positive feedback than, you know, 10 years working on something and, some, and finally finding something mm -hmm. that was worthwhile. So, uh, but the cool thing about that was at the end of those two years, I was helping to organize an international conference. Mm -hmm organized by kind of my lab in China and also the other organizing party was my lab back in the UK where I did mm. my PhD. So I was the native English speaker in a group of 40, so I did everything involved <laughs> in the English language. So okay. writing press releases, um, putting the website kind of content up, uh, writing the program, inviting speakers, organizing prizes for young scientists, kind of everything. Okay. Really. Um, coordinating with publications and all this sort of stuff. And everybody else is like, yeah, let her do it. Well, yeah, yeah kind of, kind of. Okay. Um, but yeah, I found I had a natural talent for ordering people about and uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm ticking boxes. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I decided after that I would not accept a full-time position at the Institute and instead I would go into event organizing full-time. Mm -hmm. So it was very much, um, even though I love science, mm -hmm. microbiology was a step away from both people and the environment. Mm -hmm. It's just white room, really, just pretty sterile environment, uh, even in China. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that really gave me a kick up the ass to drop <laughs> the academic route, which I've yeah. been following for years, of course. Well, so one of my main takeaways from the, this, the story you just told was that you were a doctor. Yes, so, I am. Why doesn't anyone call you Dr. Liz, Liz Ashworth? Because I just, it's not the most important thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. True. True, yeah. true. I mean, but to Dr. other people, Liz it sounds a little bit awesome. wow, right? Yeah. But, um, Dr. Ashworth. But actually, it was an incredibly difficult five years. And I'm probably going to put that in the title, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, da with, with Dr. Liz. I still get people like on research, what's it, Research Gate. Uh, I still get in, in, invites to conferences, to mm -hmm. talks, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. You go? Do you... No, I'm just like, delete, 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 delete. <laughs> <laughs> you erase that chapter. <laughs> exactly, a little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so it was, so I would say while in China, I've made a massive career change. <laughs> yeah, Basically, that has been perhaps the main, the main yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who, who, what other kinds of events have you organized then? So I've also organized um, improv, improv festivals, mm -hmm. um, been involved in that for the last two years, I would say. Improv? 
Yeah, organising improv festivals. Oh, okay, okay. Actually... How long have you been doing the improv? Since I got here. Oh, okay, okay. That's right, it seems like the first improv shows that were happening, you were there already. Really? The first ones that you saw? Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay, cool. five years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Four, five, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was was fantastic. I mean, that really... Improv is definitely a way to kickstart your social life (laughs) in in any country, I think. (laughs) You get get in with the improvisers and that's it. You can get involved with all sorts of other crazy stuff yeah. that's going on. <laughs> yeah. Like like what? Like uh... like um, well, I would say the whole load of improvisers are also swing dancers. Um, oh, that's true. There's a lot of overlap, isn't there? Right. There's also been and uh, there's a lot of uh, musicians. Yeah. There's a lot of writers as well, like storytellers, uh-huh, that sort uh-huh. of stuff. Um, there's also a lot of, well, there's a lot of English teachers, but there are <laughs> everything in China. But there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's, you also get involved in other crazy stuff. Improv, improv is always about saying yes. Right. So improvisers say yes a lot. So it basically rewires your brain to say yes in your life. It does, it does. And, <laughs> and if you get in with that group, then someone will have said yes to helping out with some kind of sexual awareness condom commercial and we'll need like backing dancers or something like that. So if you're, looking, if you're looking for something crazy. Go, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't know what, what your your weekend might be filled with if you say yes to improv. Yeah, seriously. Well so okay, well then then in terms of like the I mean, you've been involved in improv so long, you're basically mm. from the beginning, pretty much, right? No, actually. No? no. How old is improv here? I don't it's know. quite old. I mean, sort of... I mean, traditionally, China has... Uh, is it Xiangsheng? Xiangsheng. Xiangsheng. Crosstalk. Right. Yeah. And that right. that's certainly... Although that's highly practiced, mm-hmm. I think um, to get to that point, you need... Like comedy mm. timing, you need. Uh, I think probably they do a lot of improv in the preparation of these sets. Yeah, yeah. just going, trying out things. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that's that was already here, of course. But um, Beijing Improv, which I believe is the oldest kind of Western-style English-speaking group mm-hmm. in uh, China, they they started about. It was four or five years before I even got here. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yes. Wow. Been going for a very long time. Do you know who started it? Um, a, group, a group of friends. So it wasn't mm. just one person, but including Lottie Dowling and... Uh, oh, now no, I have to remember all his names. <laughs> and uh, Jonathan... Drink more coffee. Blah, 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 and... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think Georg maybe arrived a little bit later, but mm. there was a group of I think five people. And are how many of them are still doing it? None, actually. Oh wow! Last okay. last year was the kind of final exodus of the original group members. Wow. Yeah. Are they and they've all just gone off to various other stages of their lives, other yeah. places? Yeah, other countries, other places. Wow. So then the the current. How many groups are there now, actually? There's in Beijing. Yeah, there's Beijing Improv. There's big. Yeah, Beijing, which is which is bilingual improv group, the kind of bilingual 
Science Beijing Improv Group. Okay. There's um, there's a brand new Liz, Dave, and Jay combination, which is <laughs> called TBC to be confirmed, <laughs> uh, and also involves Nathan as well. Awesome. Okay. Um, and then there are about there, there was a group called Funner, but I think they've changed their name recently. Uh, and they were bilingual. Yeah. Plus one is no longer. They were bilingual. And but there's I think there's probably about three, at least three improv Chinese language improv groups in Beijing. Mm-hmm. But then of course you've got improv groups in Hong Kong, in Shanghai, in Xiamen even. So yeah. do you so are you guys actively trying to create groups in around China? I mean kind of regionally and no, other countries around China? No, not not really. I think um the way it kind of developed in Beijing was that, so you had Beijing Improv, and they always, and still do, run free workshops on a Wednesday. Is it still at Hakka? It's still, it's actually at Nawa War, which is oh, okay. still in Fanjia Hutong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Fanjia. so it's a great place to really just be introduced to the whole improv style <laughs> of living and uh, playing, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, but from there, because because we can have up to like forty people <laughs> at a workshop, half of them have never done improv before. Yeah. You can imagine that that the speed of kind of learning and really practicing those skills. Mm-hmm. There's not much time. There's not much time to do it. How long are they? Like an hour, two hours? Hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I think big came about first of all through people just wanting to do more, just mm-hmm. wanting to do more of it, and then getting together in a group and uh, just doing it really, just just doing it. And then the other groups also I think have have spun out because they wanted to do more improv or they wanted to do things slightly different. Mm. So at the moment, our group, my group, TBC. Which for what? To be confirmed. Right. <laughs> we we had to come up with something you quick. Meant, or, or, or. <laughs> something quick because we wanted to go to the <laughs> Um Yeah, so we <laughs> so we we really wanted to. We we've we've done. We all of us in the group have done at least uh, three years of mm. the short form, funny, jokey kind of sort mm-hmm. of uh, improv. And we really wanted to explore um, the more, I don't want to say serious acting, that sounds so <laughs> like, blah, blah, blah. But um, we really wanted to explore more of the, um, we wanted to test ourselves, we wanted to challenge ourselves. Mm. So we, um, we wanted to do more of the, putting your real feelings into the characters that you play. Uh-huh. So in the same way that an actor would on stage, you know, try and perhaps the character is feeling sad, so you try and think of something sad that makes you feel from your past. Okay. So and then you try and embody that a little bit more. So generally that leads to even big topics like Homelessness, uh, murder. Um, <laughs> so the, the, the serious like, Yeah, it's like serious. Um, and also, but it can get really quite dramatic as well Talking on stage because the real challenge is, is to be real and isn't to kill it when it starts getting uncomfortable. Oh. It's very easy to just end a scene or say, that's it, I'm leaving, that's... and walk out, right? 
but to try and stay with it when it's uncomfortable, when people don't know what to say, when you've just told someone that you've killed their mother. <laughs> yeah, that's when it gets really interesting and when you start getting really pushed. It's like surfing the waves of awkwardness and comfort. <laughs> it is. Comfort. Like, and yet, attempting to put a story around Keep going. it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still got to be interesting for mm -hmm. the audience. So striking that balance of keeping it real, but obviously you can't have a dramatic pause for a week. <laughs> um, you've got to keep it going too. So that's pretty challenging. And that's what we're trying to do for our, for our own benefit. It's totally selfish. <laughs> Well, so then that's, you're taking that to Manila? So that's what we're taking to Manila, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. What is the Manila thing? So the Manila Improv Festival, actually I don't know what number festival this is, but they had one two years ago, and it was super awesome. Really, okay. really awesome. Very well organized. Uh, lots of workshops during the day, and then performances in the evening. What's the or official the name of the... Uh, Manila International Improv Festival. No, okay. And it's a week? Um, the performances are a week. Mm -hmm. Actually, in the run-up to it, there's nearly a week of other workshops. Uh, this year we're having two threads, performance and also uh, applied. So applied improv is kind of the business side of improv. Kind of presentation. How can you include the skills of improv in presentation skills, in uh -huh. teamworking, in um, saying yes to new ideas and meeting clients, you know, that sort of Okay. So there'll be a week of that in Dumaguete, which is a very nice seaside town in Manila, and then we're going to hop back to Manila Metro itself and do a week of performances and other workshops. So you're going to be gone for, you're going to be there for two yeah, weeks? Yeah, a couple of weeks. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's gonna be pretty hot. It's gonna be super hot. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna die. Okay, but that'll maybe that'll inform your your uh, acting somehow. Maybe you can sweat like literally sweat I'll just it out. Just pretend to be kind of monsters, slime monsters. <laughs> like, anything that has to do with sweat, like slimy things. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Manila, uh, the Philippines suffers slightly, although not as much as Hong Kong, from overuse of air conditioning. So oh! When you're outside, oh, it is God. cooking hot, and, and then you when go, you're inside, you're freezing cold. You need a jacket, like you have to carry yeah. sweater around. Yeah, with yeah you. you have to basically carry around your own blanket. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> to avoid getting, getting the flu. That wreaks havoc on my, my nose when I'm down in Hong Kong, going back and forth. Yeah. What, sneezy? Sneezy? All the time? No, it's just, it's uh, not sneezy, but... That feeling you get. Yeah, that feeling like in the back of Something's the Something's growing! <laughs> 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 kind of like a... Ah, like the... Yeah, like the... Was it... Was it John Lennon? Or was, oh, who's... John Lennon? Uh, uh, the comedian actor who died in like the early 2000s, late 90s. Well, I don't know. Lennon, Lennon. Well, I can't remember his name now. Anyway. He was a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. He played with like Walter Matthau and those those uh those movies of like old men on adventures, oh, funny right. adventures. Oh. <laughs> it was a whole kind of like series of those mm. kind of. Oh, what he had the same nose pro problem? There's one where he's like, <laughs> ah, he's like doing this ha ah, thing to try ah, to get like the his respiratory. Thing. Anyway, that's. <laughs> That's what I imagine um, whenever in Hong Kong in the, in the 
It's exactly like that. <laughs> so, at the moment, stand-up in Beijing is mm. huge. I think there's nights all over the place. I think nearly every night of the week, you can probably go somewhere and see stand-up. Really? Definitely this... every weekend and probably two nights during the week, I think. That's, yeah, yeah. That's kind of a major shift, isn't it, I think? It's from... huge. I mean, this, this all blew up. It would have been two years ago now, two summers ago. Okay. Um, and the stand-up community very much sort of... The improv community gave birth to the stand-up <laughs> community. <Really>? Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay. So at the time, we were all, we all practicing and, and doing improv at this cute little bar called uh, Library Bar. Oh. Tushu Guan in Gulo. Uh-huh. Uh, just on Gulo Sidazie. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, and we, and I think we just thought, oh, it might be interesting to try a bit of stand up. Mm. So after some hanging out, people would just start going up on stage, and it was super nice because we were already a big family, uh -huh. and so everyone was very like polite, clapping, and, <laughs> and you know, laughing when even it wasn't that funny. <laughs> but um, it was just a really nice, warm kind of place to be and mm. you really felt part of the crowd if you went up and did your little bit and then everyone, you got off the stage everyone's patting you on the back um so from there it, it, it developed and we started having shows at the hot cat club after the improv so oh. the improv workshop. oh i remember yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. with the sign up that's it you signed yeah, yeah. up and you, even if you hadn't done it before you could just get up and mm -hmm. give it a go uh, now, as things do, it's very much more developed. Um, people have dropped improv in preference to stand up. You've got people who've never done improv before now joining up, uh, and there's much more of a. I, th I feel as though there's much more of a hierarchy. Oh. Um, it's lost that sort of fun, everyone's awesome kind of edge, uh -huh. um, which is which is understandable. But um, like, no, now you've more... got kind of the elite, the people who are actually really good at it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, but I do believe the Hot Cat Club is still running like the open mic night where, in theory, anyone can give it a go. Like, so you can get beginners moving up the ranks from there. So is there, do you think there's kind of some competition in that as well? There, as... there was when we, we were both in the same venue. Oh, yeah. Um, because the nice thing about improv is that the workshops were really cool and mm -hmm. then right after the workshops people would just be chatting and continuing the improv really yeah it's a good energy kind right, of right right but having stand-up going on in another room I mean, it's a very different feel to it mm -hmm. um whereas with improv you can come in with nothing in fact that's preferable mm. uh with stand-up it actually takes a surprising amount of editing uh thought editing yeah. and work to really get this yeah. yeah to really get this the flow and have uh -huh. people laughing all the time and yeah so it's actually a totally different beast yeah totally different. yeah so uh well I know, I, they've had some like really major stand-up events at the bookworm right mm, right like, with um a, inviting international what's, people yeah exactly like De, uh, De des bishop bishop mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. who's from ireland yes yeah what do you He's know irish he... blender <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know what he was doing Saints. here in the first place because wasn't he here, like, do, he was doing some traveling around China? Or? I'm not sure, mm. actually. Okay. He's certainly been at the Bookworm several times. Yeah, that's 
Like if he came all the way here just to he, he kind do of, one show. He yeah. seems like he's um he's organizing other people to come to Beijing as well. Yeah. You know, like acting not really as an agent, but sort of like an agent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is great. I mean yeah, more yeah. more the merrier. Yeah. Uh what's what's the other guy's the the Chinese guy's name? Dash no, not that. Uh, uh, Tony <laughs> <laughs> basically Chinese. Uh yeah, that's where I the, the, Tony something? Tony Chow? No. That's Joe? That is someone. Joe? Joe? Man, why is my brick? But uh, yeah, totally seeing Dash Shine in real life is cool. You know, nice. At that thing. Yeah. Saw him standing on like the back balcony, you know, where the stairs go up. Yeah, like, he did. I'm going up. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> Keep walking. <laughs> Don't stare. Don't stare too much. He's actually quite tall. Right. Which I... You know, you see him on TV. TV like, he's like, well, he adds, obviously he's so, a lot thinner, yeah. is he? TV adds ten pounds and like <laughs> a couple of feet. <laughs> I mean, like the guys he's working with, they're probably short anyway. But like, he's actually really tall. Mm. You know, hmm. I, mean, I guess I would say I'm average height, but I'm mm. looking up several heads. Wow. Did you see him perform? No, actually, because I, I think every time I've been around. That those the bookworm things. It's usually the reason I'm there is usually because of something musical. Like mm. we're about to play after, mm, so when okay. they come come in, like we catch the people and try and get them to sit, and then we play right. in the right. outdoor area, or we meet on the roof and we're doing a jam or mm. something. So it's not actually for so, that. Yeah, you don't actually see the events. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know that's a that's a strange thing about being an event organizer as well. <laughs> you don't actually <laughs> get to see the, the events. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I like that though. I like the. Mm. It's kind of the being behind the scenes and. It is satisfying in yeah. certain ways, right? And it's it's its own. But it's also incredibly irritating <laughs> when people go, "Oh my god, did you see when they did this?" I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, did you see any of the last week of festival? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you find that when you're performing? Hmm. Uh, or doing rehearsals, I guess, that you can't go to other people's performances. Oh, yeah. 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 That's that's a huge frustration for me is the, the can't. Right. You're like, oh, the so-and-so is playing, and you're like, awesome, I... I've also got a show that I've night. got a show, too. <laughs> Maybe you should... I guess you should come to my show. But even my show a bunch of times, you should probably go to that <laughs> show that I would also go to if I was Right, playing. right. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I consider. That's what a, that's what a holiday is for me. Actually, <laughs> not having any of my own stuff, so yeah. I can go see you someone else's. Get a night off on the weekend or exactly. something. Yeah. Exactly. Are there? Sh Sorry, go ahead. Come on. No, go. Yeah. Are there shows here? What improv shows? Yeah, we did have one on Saturday. How'd that go? Fantastic. Yeah. Actually, awesome. it was our okay. second show ever. The first show was performed to two people. The week before, and uh, yeah, really good. I mean, this is all in preparation for Manila. So yeah, yeah. We were really, we were pretty worried. We're busy people, and we were worried that we wouldn't be able to get enough practice time in before we have to go and perform to four hundred people. So um, yeah, really pleased we got that out of the way because it's quite different, like just practicing together and practicing the skills to actually having to perform them. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like it's a different energy. mindset, different mindset, energy. Yeah. Um, there's a bit more pressure. Obviously, you can't just <laughs> corpse on stage and then have a little break <laughs> and go, "Mate, that was hilarious." 
<laughs> Unless that's what your character is like, you know? Right. <laughs> How did that compare to doing your um, thing here with the, with the, your, for your, what do you call it, film? Would you call it? Or are you... Oh, the big spoon. Yeah, big spoon. Is this, is it, would you call it a film? Would you call it a short? Or a, what do you... What is it? It's what its, is it's its own genre of... It's well, spoon fits. Spoonimentary. <laughs> spoon. What what do you call something that involves skills of improv that involves the the aim is to team build in a <laughs> business type way and also that involves having dinner with a bunch of your friends. I mean, how do you summarize that? Big spoons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Big spoons. I, I so hope you've invented a genre. That's it. <laughs> But now uh, Liz Ashford has created the How to improve your life by big spooning. <laughs> big spooning. <laughs> the, the benefits of big spooning. <laughs> was there, there was no actual spooning, was there, as part of it? Was there? No. no. There no. was, I mean, at the end when uh, you no guys were playing, there was <laughs> no. a lot of randomly staggering about with blindfolds <laughs> onto music but <laughs> why don't you talk about what, what what is big spoons how did that come about so big spoons was uh an idea i had um i'm quite sure it's not unique other people have probably had the idea before but um it was to take the story of the the long spoons allegory uh, which was this whole thing about the difference between heaven and hell with uh, heaven well with hell being a table full of food but people starving because they had these enormous spoons and they couldn't they literally didn't have arms long enough to get the food from the spoon into their mouth um, whereas heaven was exactly the same situation table full of food big spoon long spoons spoons with long handles um, but everybody was happy and healthy and well fed because instead of feeding themselves they fed their friends across the table. Oh. I know, so <laughs> adorable. But um, yeah, I mean that's so, that is so improv. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I mean this was originally a, like a religious story and uh, I think it's been replicated in different cultures as well. So in China, instead of big spoons, you've got long chopsticks. Oh really? Super long chopsticks, yeah, yeah. Is there a tongue or something that goes with it? Like... I don't know. We should look into mm. that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, but it's so improv that the, this idea that if you're constantly taking for yourself, then yeah, sure, you might get the quick laughs, you might look good, but the whole show will suffer because you're yeah. not giving to other people, the other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also, as well, being kind of an environmentalist and interested in science still, <laughs> um, very much a same, the same story for the whole world, a limited number of resources, are you going to take, 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 or are you going to share it? Mm. So originally I thought, oh, it'd be really cool to do this as part of some kind of educational, environmental event mm -hmm. where, um, yeah, you kind of decide if you're going to share or if you're going to take something yourself. But actually, it was easier to test with a group of improvisers. Because <laughs> to be quite frank, if it wouldn't, wasn't going to work with them, then it wasn't going to work with anybody. So, uh, 
Yeah, so I got everybody sat down, but instead of big spoons, we had everyone tied together. So a similar thing. Are you going to kind of be dominant and bully your way around the table, or are you going to help people get food? Were they tied together as like a, a um, partners or in just one no, big circle? No, one long, one long circle, one one long circle tied at the wrist, so that any movement your hand made on either side, oh god, you <laughs> affected essentially everybody in theory. Butterfly effect. Yeah. 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 Are, are you planning to, it sounds like you're, as you're saying test, so mm. does that mean that you're testing it now and then you're going to try again later? Well, I've actually, one of, the, one of the guys who took part in it, Joseph, he is interested in doing it as a team building exercise in the company that he works for. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I know, it's great, right? You can brand it, export it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I also, we're also putting together, it was all filmed. The whole event was like filmed. There was mm. even interviews at the start and at, and at the end. Oh. So people were interviewed at the start saying, hey, what do you think is going to happen? Do you know anything about what's going to happen? <laughs> like, why are you here? <laughs> uh, but also questions, half of them were improvisers, so questions like, what is your improv nightmare? Oh. What is the most important things you need to do in improv? Things like listening, things like shared control. Um, and then afterwards we did interviews again, but we actually did them in pairs. So one of the oh. people who you were sat next to, you went into the interview with them. And that was also really I, i've heard that there's some very i haven't seen the footage but i've heard that there's some very very funny stuff <laughs> going down in that but sort of how did you feel were you dominant did you help you know um how how would this kind of exercise benefit anybody else how, who, and who did the um the the filming the production part mm, so uh, my good friend olo okay olo was uh responsible for that I mean, the, the, challenge, the challenge for the one that I did was that halfway through, everyone seemed to be getting on a little bit too easily, so uh, I blindfolded half of them. We had people throwing boiled quail's eggs across the table at each other, and blind people attempted to catch them. <laughs> Very, this very is going funny. a little too well. Let's make this. <laughs> let's little, make this painful. A little bit more challenging. Like, Come on, some, guys. I'm gonna blind you guys. <laughs> oh, that explains the blind square dancing afterwards. Right. That was mm. shambolic <laughs> in the best possible way. Uh, I remember. Who was it that ran into the tree? <laughs> <laughs> that was Mojo. That looked like it hurt a little bit. Uh, but I still remember. I mean, Jeff. That was the most funny thing. They were, what, were, what were you guys doing? That you had to kind of um, hook arms with your partner and then swing to the next person and swing to the next person, right? Mm -hmm. So half the people were going clockwise and half the people were going anti-clockwise. And of course, <laughs> you know, half the people are blindfolded. Then you're going to get to a point where there's two blindfolded people coming straight like, at each other. Yeah. <laughs> and they're either, they're either going to connect somehow um, okay. with some body part or they're going to totally miss each other and seeing that happen, totally missing each that other. Was... People are trying to kind of feel their way, kind of feel, <laughs> find their partner. And then I remember Jeff just giving up at one point and just, just starting a jig. Just starting, just just starting a solo <laughs> jig. <laughs> this, I was amazed by how well the space actually worked for that 
for one like one square of people. Mm. Like there's, I mean, it's a courtyard. It's got a tree. It's got yeah. some chairs. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, a table stacked up in one corner. I think. Right, right. The uh, the culture yard's courtyard yeah. space. Surprisingly uh, malleable to yeah, to any event. <laughs> How about that? It's almost <laughs> if it was planned to be that way. Well, is there anything else uh, you want to talk about before we uh, wrap up? Uh, I suppose the aquaponics workshops. Oh, God, yeah. That's my other major thing. Those are... I, I'm, I have to... First of all, I, I really want to say that I'm sorry I never got to one because I really... Oh, really, yeah, last year. <laughs> I really wanted to go <laughs> and I uh, just never could get my butt off my chair, especially <laughs> in the winter when it's like really cold mm, but um, yeah. I'm really glad that the, the knowledge is out there. Mm, yeah. The aquaponics knowledge. Yeah. Um, someone I know, I, I went to somebody's house and they had a thing and they were like, yeah, do this aquaponics workshop. I was like, oh, I, I know who <laughs> I does know that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, why don't you um, talk about some of the... Okay. Um, so... Uh, so the kind of the marketing for these aquaponics workshops is dream of a garden, and dream of what? Dream of a garden. Dream of a garden. Dream of a garden. <laughs> dream a little garden. Dream a little dream of garden. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you? Did you have you always done aquaponics? No, no. I only I only got into it in oh, well. I did marine biology at university. You strike me as someone who does marine biology. Really? And it's I, all the digging in the sand. I love you know, it. You know, like, uh, I, I grew up in, in St. Pete, Florida, and there's um, you know, uh, University of South Florida, mm. Bayboro campus is there, and University of South Florida has a big marine biology program. So uh, there always, I actually grew up knowing a lot of marine biologists, cool. strangely, huh. or people who were involved with it and are doing field trips and stuff. And I've got to look. No, it's not a look. It's actually more of like a, a, a an energy. Ooh. A marine biology, like your, the way you, I feel like the way you approach things is kind of yeah. kind of in the same way of like someone like let's look at this jellyfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, worms were my thing. Marine worms. <laughs> yeah, how cute are they? Look at their little gills sticking out the side, like, like, like small hands. that happened <laughs> one day a little did you find a worm or something in your, in your no I actually it was god no, why I don't know I really don't know I've but I've been interested in marine biology for a very long time at, at primary school I remember we had to write a project we had to do a like a library project mm -hmm. uh, and my school literally had only three classrooms which we used to eat uh, learn and Exercise in, uh, and a very, very small new uh, library. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I got it into my head maybe it was watching David Attenborough that I wanted to write this project on sea cucumbers. And I, I don't know why I even bothered looking in our library, but there was no books on sea cucumbers. And I took this to mean that there were no books on sea cucumbers and in the world. And I, so I was like, <laughs> <laughs> At age sort of six, I was like, 
No, I am going to become a world leading expert on ZQ powers. <laughs> there is not enough information about the map. <laughs> so, You've taken it upon yourself. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a huge commitment for a six-year-old. But then I forgot about it. Oh. I totally forgot about that. Um, until as six-year-olds do. As six-year-olds do. <laughs> until I uh, was choosing my degree. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was working. <laughs> See, I have scientific tendencies. I was working my way from A through to Z in this enormous book of just degrees, just the names of degrees, all the possible degrees that you could do. Uh, and I got to uh, M and I got to marine biology and I just stopped. I was like, no, no, that's what I'm doing. Done. Done. I know it. I feel it in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I did. Uh, and that was on the northeast coast of the UK, which is not the most glamorous place, perhaps, for marine biology. Um, mm. I think half of our group left in the first year because there wasn't enough dolphins and there was a little bit too much science. But um, there was plenty of seaweed, there was lots of sand, uh, anything below 10 centimetres, there was loads of. <laughs> 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 not so many dolphins or whales or anything. Oh. Uh, best. Yeah. So just to take a quick break here for a second, I was down at the Linden Center in Xizhou, which is down in Yunnan in southern China, not too far from Dali, and uh, I ran into this really interesting guy named Forrest Watkins. Now Forrest Watkins is traveling around the world by bicycle, and what he's doing is raising awareness for environmental issues, and I thought this was pretty cool because the way he's doing it is essentially collecting stories and he's telling their stories. These are people who, by their own initiatives around the world, are just doing their part to help the environment. You can read these stories and find out more at 360bybike.com. The China Arts Podcast wishes Forrest the best of luck and safe travels. Now back to Dr. Liz Ashford. I love sandal weather. Yeah, me too. Jay was saying to me, because you were wearing your blue crazy <laughs> ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. What are they called? Cozy. What are they called? Actually, uh, five fingers. Five fingers. Yeah. Okay. Toesy five fingers. Five <laughs> 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 Toesies. That's not what I'm gonna call them. <laughs> My toesies. <laughs> yeah. So Jay was saying to me, oh, like, don't you have a pair of those? I said no. Really? It's like, why do I always think you have a pair of those? I feel like you would. And really I enjoy them. Actually. Well, I said it's because I never, I don't like wearing shoes at all. So I avoid wearing shoes. I usually do. <laughs> there is a prior, there's a hierarchy of shoe wearing, right? right. It's like, okay, there's the no shoes, number one, awesome, mm. and then number two is like sandals. Mm-hmm. If you have to have something on your feet, mm. okay, fine. I'll put, the, I'll put a plank <laughs> under my foot. Number three is the toe shoes, mm. so. and then like boots somewhere down seven or eight. Right. Right. Bottom. Right. Um, so we were talking about sea cucumbers. We were. The, the little, the, to me, they're like spiny poops of the sea. Yeah. But you said worms earlier, so I'm curious. Yeah. What do you mean? What's the difference between a? What sea are we talking about here? Well, what's the range? Kind of like both of them eat. Well, there's all sorts of worms, but the ones I'm talking about are the uh, non. Can I say non-aggressive? 
like the non-scavenger ones. They're like the sea cucumbers. They're like mini sea cucumbers. They eat sand, basically. They just eat sand? Well, they, they, they eat sand and the, the enzymes in these two little pouches that they've got kind of near their mouth parts um, lies bacteria. So they kind of lies the bacteria off the sand and consume What is the, the word you're saying? Lies? Lies. What is, how do you spell that? <laughs> L-Y-S-E? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, it's like um, kind of like soapy. So some kind of surfactant, uh, soapy, you know, stuff. So in the same way, the the reason why you use soap to wash your hands with bacteria, okay, is that the it breaks the cell walls. It breaks the bacteria right. cell walls, so it kills it the bacteria. Falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what these little pouches do. Oh. Yeah. So both sea cucumbers and uh, Worms kind of eat sand. I think sea cucumbers are more vegetarian, so okay. they eat all the, the plant material and stuff. Okay. And the okay. worms, the worms' guts kind of work in 20 minutes, so there's not enough time to digest plant material. I mean, mm. think about cows, they like digest plant material for hours and hours. Yeah, right? yeah. And chew the cud and comes back up again and goes back down again. <laughs> <laughs> they have a, a gale time with exactly. it. Exactly. Like, but kind of the, the worms sort of allow the bacteria to do that they create this environment so that the bacteria can kind of break all this stuff down and then they eat the bacteria but an external rumen is the technical term external external rumen rumen and the rumen is the the area where plant material is broken down by microorganisms like the section in their body like like for cows yeah Yeah. cows have a rumen okay Um, i think Rabbits have a rumen, potentially. I'm not sure. <laughs> Actually, how do rabbits manage? I don't. I don't know. But kind of a lot of hooved animals that eat grass, okay. plants, they have rumens. Yeah. I'm. I totally. Had, I was not expecting anything. <laughs> Wait, but you. Okay, so you, so there's the worms that. Uh, are there categories of these worms and like the the, the cucumbers? There's, there's just lots and lots of different worms. Yeah. But the worms, the worms that I was studying, that I did my PhD on, mm-hmm. um, they're the ones that make these kind of little spiraling caps yeah. of sand on top, like little, on like, top of the like, sand. That goes yeah. up, right? Yeah, yeah. Like down. a little tower. Yeah. I love those things. Yeah, right? Yeah. And they're super cute, you would not believe. <laughs> <laughs> what do they describe them? What do they look like? They're kind of... Well, they have extremely high affinity for oxygen, their hemoglobin, so they're very pink. Oh! Because you know when, when oxygen gets onto red blood cells, yeah. it's pinker. Yeah, yeah. Right? Which is why arterial blood is more bright than venous blood. Right, right. right. So these are sort of super bright pink, and <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of like, a, a, you know, like, like fat earthworms, but then along their body, they have these sections of spines Ooh. and also little kind of pink gills, external gills. Like a lot of them, kind of? Uh, like all, all along? Uh, every segment or whatever? I would say, let's, I can't quite remember, but let's say six, three pairs. That's awesome. Something like that. Do they have little spines? Do they have like little fingers on them? Like, yeah. like things? Well, the, the just... spines, are, I think the spines like... are there to protect the gills underneath. Oh, you know so I mean? like protective kind of... Keep the... Yeah, so I mean the gills, gills can be retracted. And, oh. But the spines are there to kind of, you know. So they have gills? Yeah. What does a worm do with gills? Does Breathe. Oh, <laughs> Whilst underwater. Silly. Oh, okay. 
Right, because they're aquatic life. Mm, mm. God, that's cool. So that's all kind of... Beijing isn't anywhere near the sea. Yeah. So I can't possibly <laughs> study these cute little things there. No. So um, I ended up getting into the aquaponics, partly because... Beijing is just super dry and very uh -huh. difficult to even keep house plants alive. Much yeah, more difficult I'm having than a hell of a time with some rosemary. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which likes dry ones. dirt anyway. It's right, like... right. But it's tricky. It's tricky to keep them alive. Very dry, like very hot, very cold. Yeah. Um, not much room usually. People who live in apartments mm -hmm. and super high up. So very difficult to really grow vegetables or something yeah. that needs to spread out. So the aquaponics is a bit of a solution to that. First of all, you have fish, and of course, being a marine <laughs> biologist, I love fish. Uh, and the fish, <laughs> the fish basically do their thing. They poop and pee into the water. Yeah, and then the, getting it out. The kind of the ammonia in the urine gets pumped around to where you keep your plants. Okay. And the bacteria uh, associated with the roots um, changes the fish pee into plant food so you get the plants growing and then you can cycle the water back into the fish tank cleaner uh, and there save water then uh, why why is you it just chucked it on soil and let it evaporate why isn't everything using this mainly because mainly because the fish can provide all the nitrates the plants need but mm. they don't provide other stuff so if you're doing aquaponics commercially, you still have to monitor those levels and put in extra things like iron, possibly calcium, um, mm. phosphates, that sort of thing. So if you're doing that, you might as well do hydroponics, really, where you're controlling that completely. Oh. Uh, at the moment, we don't know how to control what the fish are excreting. Okay. So what okay. do you feed them and how much stuff do you get get out? Yeah. So it's why it's they more just challenging. With fish? I know. Why why can't <laughs> they just stay at one size where they eat and they poop a lot? You know? <laughs> so why don't we just genetically engineer some fish that stay so in one size and oh, eat and poop? There's an idea. Well, okay. <laughs> but another question. Gone. Aquaponics versus hydroponics. Mm. Is it mainly just a fish issue? A th yeah. And at the moment, hydroponics is more is better for kind of commercial, big commercial mm. systems, uh, vertical gardening, uh, urban farming, mm -hmm, that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, the the aquaponics is just a little bit more difficult. Mm. But the the workshops that I've been running are very very small systems that people can, you know, they can see everything that's going on. They mm -hmm. can monitor everything that's going on just with their eyes. Okay. So it's super easy and. You know, it's really, it's kind of nice to have some kind of wildlife when you're in a high-rise flat in the middle of the city. To remind and you that something, like super, things live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, and totally. fish kind of just really easy for that, so. What kind of fish are usually used for, mm, for yours, anyway? Well, for ours, for, for mine, the, the size of the tank is only suitable for a couple of goldfish. Okay, okay. But, um... Aquaponics on a commercial level, tilapia, carp, trout. Mm. Oh, so pretty big. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. But to get sort of dinner plate sized fish, then you need a lot bigger tank. Right. Yeah. Quite big. And again, if you're on the 14th floor of a aging <laughs> apartment building, mm. it's unlikely. No, no. <laughs> Just imagine carrying a tank of the 
like the, uh, yeah right the stairs of exactly. the walk up or something exactly uh. <laughs> yeah so yeah so so that's kind of the improv side of things and the event organizing side of things and the aquaponics side yeah. of things uh, and once once we actually managed to combine two so my husband's also in into improv and into music and stuff uh -huh, like uh -huh. this and we managed to do a uh, workshop for Volkswagen actually oh really we combined improv and aquaponics how what <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay. Like a three-hour, four-hour workshop. How did you manage? What is the connection? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Okay. Well, the 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 connection was that first of all we taught them some, we got them comfortable. Mm -hmm. Then we did some improv games. Okay. Then we did some improv skills, and by that point they were all super confident. So we taught mm -hmm. them a little bit about aquaponics, and then told them to go away in groups and design their own systems oh, based cool. on a very you know short demonstration. This is what aquaponics, this is how it works. Now go off and design a system for uh, a small cafe or a large farm outside the city or uh, an urban jungle or uh, some, somewhere in the desert. Cool. Yeah, and okay. actually they, they felt as though they could do that and they did and they came back with some really awesome ideas. Awesome. Yeah, and then they built That's some, amazing they built some kits and then took them, took them back to work <laughs> <laughs> to have on their desks. Sweet. That'd be, that's a great thing to have on your desk at work. Right, right. That's way better than like a little air plant or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Got your fish, you got, got your fish. mint for a sneaky mojito and last thing on the Friday. <laughs> 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 uh, that's why your kids are long. <laughs> well, so then, wait, okay, that's a lot of the, those things are all now in the mm. past. So, but what, what about the future? What's Future Liz got in store? Nah. Babies. The future, yeah. <laughs> improv babies. <laughs> improv babies. <laughs> yes, improv and babies. aquaponic babies. <laughs> Whoa. Little gills. Like little, <laughs> yeah, little gills. Little gills. <laughs> it's like water world. <laughs> uh, um, that is a really, really excellent question. Uh, and it's a little bit scary to think about. Mm -hmm. But um, definitely babies. God willing, definitely babies. Mm. Um, but I would also really like to stay in aquaponics. It'd be really cool yeah. to actually work for a company that either did stuff aquaponically or hydroponically. I've already been um, trying to expand my own uh, my own skills in mm -hmm. that department. I've been visiting large aquaponic units in Hong Kong, uh, hydroponic stuff in Beijing. And uh, hopefully in Manila, I'll also be checking out some of their... How, how do you check that out? You're like, hey, I, <clears throat> I uh, do some hydroponics and I'd like to see what you do. Yeah. Is that... Yeah, And they're just much. like, okay, sure. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... If you come across as though you're interested in DIY and you're teaching other people to be interested and you super fascinated by what they're doing and yeah, well, then, yeah, yeah people are yeah, really totally, open about it that's cool that's yeah, really cool yeah, yeah. so i think yeah that would be really really cool to do do you would you want to start your own thing at some point um yeah i'm slightly <laughs> lacking in confidence actually <laughs> to start my own business although although i've got the science science background i've got the events organizing background i've got everything kind of the marketing no 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 i have no idea about 
I'm terrible with, not terrible with money. I just don't tend to spend much of it. Well, that's so why you get somebody else to you delegate. <laughs> delegate that to that person, and that person's really good at it. It's finding the right people, yeah. I think, in that case. Yeah. But, like, the maths and the physics and kind of the engineering and the really business development side of things, mm-hmm. and never mind the speaking Chinese, <laughs> but those are things that I would have to find somebody else. Yeah. That and would you- have to be the other person's. Job. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you guys, you can handle that. Yeah, you guys handle that. Underlings. Yeah. Slash coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, would you, so you, that sounds like you want to keep connection with China then. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame. I don't feel as though I'm done with China. Some people, like they leave and they're like, that, that was great, but yeah, I've had yeah. enough. <laughs> I don't, I don't feel like that. But, um, Everything is so interesting here and so dynamic and mm-hmm. so crazy every day. You can do like four things at once. <laughs> Sometimes we try to. <laughs> but it's so all-consuming that mm. I think to make a massive life change like having kids, I'm going to have to leave. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to just... have to leave just to focus on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it would be great to come back. Um, I'm definitely going to be keeping all my my environmental links here mm-hmm. and events links here and cool. uh, yeah I, I'm sure the UK has has stuff going for it I just need to search a little bit <laughs> I think go online <laughs> actually go to a job interview for the first time in maybe forever <laughs> <laughs> back yeah. to the job world. back to the job back to where rules actually mean rules <laughs> and you can there's paperwork that you can understand Oh, God. <laughs> Little boxes you can check, and you're like, this, I'm actually checking this box. I'm actually checking this box, and, yeah. Yes, and box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Where we substitute, probably substituting the math fan of visas for the math fan of having to own a car. Or and taxes. Something like that, and taxes. Oh, God. I didn't even think about taxes. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to freak uh, yeah. out. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, yes, and taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Liz, thank you so much thank for, for joining my the China Arts Podcast. Um, uh, and I hope, I wish you all the best of luck. I'm totally going to come visit you in, in the UK. That's awesome. You're very welcome anytime. <laughs> I just invited myself. That's, <laughs> that's, that's right. what I do. So. I expect you to drop in at some point there now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Signing off. Goodbye. Many thanks to Dr. Liz Ashforth for joining the podcast. Be sure to check out her project, Big Spoons. How do you think you'd fare with a blindfold and a dinner table? If you like the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes. And since you're listening to it, why not rate the podcast while you're at it? This is the China Arts Podcast, and we'll see you next time.